0: Hi, and welcome back to Brentwood Stories. In the very first episode of this podcast, all the way back in March, I mentioned the fact that, at that very moment, we were going to yet another significant period in Brentwood history. I'm referring, of course, to the COVID-19 pandemic in quarantine. In the months between now and then, we have made little mention of it on this podcast. But in this following miniseries, Quarantine Conversations, Me and my co-host Peter will check in virtually with members of the Brentwood Public Library extended family to record their memories and experiences since the beginning of quarantine. For our first guest, me and Peter were pleased to host Ellen Edelstein, Brentwood Public Library trustee and president of the Brentwood Historical Society. Ellen shared with us how her work for the Historical Society persists even through the COVID-19 shutdown.
1: Relative to the Historical Society, um, I have to say that It has actually worked to our benefit to some extent because um, I am able to reach out to people that might not have otherwise been able to attend our meetings. So I find that I'm getting more active participation, at least relative to meetings. You know, um, people are staying home. My, My demographic tends to skew toward the more at-risk population for COVID. So they are not comfortable going out. They certainly would not have been comfortable even had the quarantine not been as um, dynamic as it is. They would not have been comfortable meeting in a large group setting. So they are, in fact, comfortable staying in their own homes and participating in things that are social and informative for them. Um, For me personally, it's been a little bit more relaxing to conduct meetings from the comfort of my home as opposed to the preparation that's required when I have meetings in the library. Um, But I've also been getting a lot done in the house. So for me, I'm not finding it to be detrimental being quarantined, it's somewhat relaxing for me because I'm normally so busy with meetings and various other things that I no longer have to deal with that, or at least for the moment, don't have to deal with it. Of course, I'm not happy with what I see in the community in terms of the illness, in terms of the fear. Um, That's difficult, but on a personal note, because I I don't consider myself personally to be at high risk, I'm okay. And I've had a lot of things done in the house that were easy to schedule because I didn't have conflicting meetings and such. So that's a plus for me.
0: Do you think that you'll have some new people joining historical society meetings in person now as a result of connecting online with them?
1: I hope so. Um, I don't know when we'll be getting back to in-person meetings, um, but the upside to having established a good Zoom connection with the membership and others, you know, because we we put the Zoom link out on Facebook and on our website. Um, so I'm hopeful that even if people choose not to join the Historical Society formally or attend meetings necessarily in the library, that they will perhaps join a Zoom meeting or watch the video rebroadcast of the Zoom meetings after the fact, and it will pique their interest in the history of Brentwood or whatever topic we happen to be covering. I also have a number of members who either are in rehab, they're ill, um, they may have a disability that prevents them from getting out to the library, that are now able to join us when they couldn't before. So that's a good thing. Reaching more people is always a good thing. And and if they're encouraged to join the historical society as a result, because they like what we're doing, even more, even better.
0: Do you think hosting some historical society meetings online via Zoom might be a new permanent fixture?
1: I think it might be because um, I very often have concerns about our wintertime meetings, especially, you know, we meet at four in the afternoon and in the wintertime, it's dark by the time, very often by the time we start and people don't want to come out or the weather could be really treacherous. And I have presenters that are coming from a distance that uh, I don't want to put at risk. So I could see having our good weather meetings in person and our wintertime meetings via Zoom. I think it might be a combination of the two. And the other upside that I see to a Zoom meeting, um, even if it were conducted in the library via Zoom, is to be able to have presenters that are long distance people that I wouldn't consider inviting to present because, you know, how do they get here? How do we pay them? Where do we put them up? And if they can present from the comfort of their own home, we don't have to deal with any of that. So I think it it allows us to cast a wider net for quality speakers.
0: I'm so glad that you were able to almost immediately shine the light on some of the more constructive things to come out of the current situation that we're in. With everything that's going on, I think it could be so easy to focus on the things I get, that are getting taken away or how things are not going to be the same when... When we get back to what whatever might be some semblance of normal. Yeah, but normal, I think it's really important to talk about what we what we're going to learn from this and what kind of skills or connections we built from this that are really going to help improve us long term.
1: Absolutely, and I, I never would have considered a Zoom meeting. I didn't even know Zoom existed prior to this, and I said, "Well, you know, for the first month that we were quarantined." you know, we had a February meeting because that was prior to the quarantine, but, uh, the March meeting was canceled because the library was closed. And I said, well, this can't be, we can't not have meetings anymore. That's just absurd. And that's when I, you know, of course learned about these various opportunities, go to meetings, zoom, you know, and we kind of made the decision to go with zoom because I had a little more familiarity with it. Um, and it was cheaper <laughs> so <laughs> you know i mean for any number of reasons but it's been working fine i wasn't overly concerned with privacy issues because there's nothing that we do that's not accessible to the public so um i i didn't really think that we'd be trolled particularly i was i wasn't overly worried about that kind of stuff i know that other meetings had been invaded but i didn't think anybody would really seek us out for invading so it, it, it's been fine. I haven't had any kind of security issues. And we've had a really good turnout. I, I Today, I just finished a meeting not too long ago that had 46 people in attendance, which is a big number. Our typical library meetings run to 30, 35. And that's what we had for our first Zoom meeting. And the second one, I think in large part because of the topic, um, drew 46 and it's all great. It's all good. And I'm about to upload it to our website. If I can get onto my website, it's giving me a hard time right now, but I'll be uploading it to Facebook in a short while.
0: Yeah. To think that our online programs have become competitive with our traditional programs is quite an amazing thought. And the fact that when we do it virtually, we can we can either host 10 people, or we can host 200 people, honestly, if we wanted to. That's
1: the nice thing, of course, absolutely, because I didn't get closed out of Chef Rob's presentation like I would if, if it was a, an in-person. I do miss the samples, but you know, I've been loving these library programs. You guys have been doing a terrific job, and I've attended more programs in the last month than I probably have been able to attend in the last six months. So I really appreciate them, and I, everybody I speak to feels the same way. Really good.
0: My mother has also been really enjoying a lot of the programs that have been going on. I know that she's been frequenting a lot of your programs, Peter. And
1: so, so Peter is Isabel mm-hmm. your mother? Yes, she is. Well, see now, I just made a connection, <laughs> 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 and you know, I, I I don't really think about people's last names, Big Peter and Little Peter, but now, you know, <laughs> of course, Isabel is one of our members, and uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's been attending. The two of us have been attending a lot of programs because I'm doing more than I usually do because half the time I don't want to go out at night. But Peter has done some terrific programs. Um, I've really been enjoying that. Walt Whitman one last week was terrific.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that was the best one.
1: He was great. And I might consider asking him to present for the Historical Society as well, because I think there'd be a lot of different faces or different voices that would be interested in hearing him. So we'll have to talk.
0: (laughs) He seems interested when, if he is able to visit New York one day. Yeah.
1: Oh, I know that an in-person visit would be great, but even if not, the fact that we can do it out of the comfort of our own homes makes it feasible. So I think it would be a great idea. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Sign off because I really do have to get some, like lunch, which I haven't done yet.
0: <laughs> oh, please do. Yes, that's that's important.
1: Yes, yes, definitely important. But um,
0: well, this is a good ending. We finish with the big revelation. A
1: big revelation that I need lunch. <laughs>
0: yeah, not the identity of Peter's mom. Oh yeah,
1: I know. And I baked a blueberry pie from scratch today.
0: It keeps coming. I, I really,
1: you know? Yeah, things you never knew about me. Things that I didn't know about me. <laughs> <laughs> Taking advantage of my downtime.
0: Our next guest, Celia Volmer, is a longtime employee and member of the Brentwood Public Library family. Some may recognize her as an instructor of our library's first aid and CPR course. Others may be familiar with her work in our community outreach division. In addition to her work in the library, Celia has been a volunteer for the American Red Cross for over a decade. When we spoke with her on July 6th, she took some time to discuss how life as a Red Cross volunteer has been affected by the quarantine. Unfortunately, during our recording with Celia, a technical issue resulted in the loss of a portion of our interview. In particular, we lost the audio for my valued co-host, Peter. I will try to, when I can, make up for the loss of my co-host, but I do apologize in advance for any unexpected interruptions.
2: I supervise disaster services and we... Uh, respond to fires on Long Island, and uh, I responded on March 13th, and it was my first time using COVID protocols and not being able to touch a client and to kind of shoot a credit card across the foot of a car um, and wear a mask for the first time. So it was a, a totally new uh, thing for us.
0: Do you think that this is going to be long-term? How are you going to operate?
2: It definitely is. All of our training now is just like everywhere else, everyday meetings, Zoom. Uh, we are training new volunteers by Zoom. We now use virtual protocols. We don't have responders all show up at fires and events. Um, we actually do more of the casework that we originally would do in person and talk to people. is all done virtually now. Uh, so it's very different for our responders and for our clients.
0: Has this made your work more or less easy? Are there things that about this that you found to be beneficial to the process? It
2: actually has been very beneficial for me as a duty officer. I coordinate uh, emergencies on Long Island one week of the month, and it really uh, quickens the pace of casework and getting services to clients. And I think in the future, just like Brentwood Library or um, businesses, that we will continue in the future, um, even if we're out of quarantine, uh, do, having meetings on Zoom, it's a, a convenience. Our main office is in Mineola, and if you're a volunteer in Riverhead, it could take you two hours to get in during rush hour to a meeting. And now everybody's at home, and we have a higher attendance. And we more Yeah. So we actually have um, more responders training and helping us virtually because they're able to do
0: that. Going back to the, the beginning of the pandemic, did the Red Cross already have a sort of plan in place for a pandemic? Was there something already on the books?
2: Yes, they have always had a protocol on the books for pandemic. We just you usually think you have a little more time. To get things together, and then we were thrown the curveball of um, many volunteers testing positive, and the death of many volunteers. Um, so they had contracted the virus before uh, March 13th, and some carriers. So we had to immediately shut down the building and quarantine everyone. So there are plans in place. Um, we're using some new tools now, and uh, it really changed how we operate. The concern is we are in hurricane season and frequently we use schools as shelters in hurricanes, and that has to change. So we're gravitating more towards using hotels right now, and we've even floated the idea of we're going to use campgrounds after an event. So cabins, tents, recreational vehicles. So, we're trying to reimagine how we're going to respond in the pandemic.
0: As far as life away from work, how's the day-to-day life been? Have you been able to settle into a bit of a routine?
2: It took took about a week or two to settle in to a routine of working virtually. Um, A wonderful exercise program. I've lost eleven pounds. So that was a positive, (laughs) and uh, a little more, uh, much more volunteer work than I have done in the past. So I've been uh, participating with a lot of the organizations that we participate with as community partners at Brentwood Library, Long Island Cares, and Toronto, and Adelante, and the Suffolk County Police Department. So we're trying to all work together to coordinate services and to advertise services within the community, trying to make sure that we're sharing each other's data and flyers and events that are going on uh, so that we're all participating in each other's activities and really being able to share services with different organizations.
0: The stuff that we're putting online almost makes you kind of homesick for the library too to a measure really. it does,
2: really. it absolutely does. I still participate in yoga every Wednesday. And I love the history programs, but it also gives people the opportunity with the virtual, the virtual programming um, to not be sitting at home in front of the computer. You can take in some of these uh, activities on your cell phone while you're on the beach. You listen to one of Peter's historical, uh, you know, programs. Um, so the ability to be mobile and still participate, I think, is a great benefit
0: has there been um skills or hobbies that you've developed as a result of being in quarantine
2: well i have uh received some seeds from the seed library um from the Brentwood library and so when the pandemic first started i always plant a couple of little things in my garden a couple of little cherry tomatoes little pots of things this um really pushed me to plant a lot more so that I could grow my own herbs and spices and not have to depend on delivery or going into a supermarket while we were quarantined. And I have hot peppers and tomatoes and all kinds of things growing. Cilantro I got from the Brentwood Library Seed Collection. So I'm looking forward to trying a few more seeds. There's still plenty of time in the season to plant. And I've been taking advantage of Thera Farms on the grounds of the Sisters of St. Joseph's. Uh, purchasing my vegetables and my fruit and some of my plants locally. And there's so many things that are going on right now during this pandemic on the grounds of St. Joseph's, And we actually have a sharing table that I saw on Newsday where they put out fresh fruits and vegetables and it's just come take whatever you like. It's free. So they have so many great programs that are going on all over Brentwood right now.
0: Peter, did you have any um, questions to share? At this point, Peter asked Celia if she misses connecting with friends and family.
2: I'm a people person and I would love to see people in person again, Um, but I have been going out in the community and volunteering. Um, As Brentwood Public Library participates in my brother's keeper, my mentee graduated this year. And so we had a virtual graduation on Zoom But then we had a very abbreviated graduation of our four seniors on the stage, on the football field at Brentwood High School the day before the graduations at Brentwood High School began. It was covered by Channel 12. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it was really nice seeing my mentee. So it also opened the door for me to contact my mentee while he goes off to college in Yonkers, so you know we're used to going on zoom and keeping in touch with each other virtually so i think that's going to facilitate our relationship and our goal is you know our my primary goal was to get him to graduate from high school and now the secondary goal is to get him to graduate from college so so we're going to connect through zoom and text messaging, and you know the internet and i think uh, we're all used to it right now yeah I've been trying to teach him Zoom, you know, uh, protocol and um, little little things. Stop eating on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Things that I keep seeing other people doing. Dress appropriately when you're on Zoom. (laughs) I I caught a couple of people changing clothes, forgetting the camera was off. (laughs) Oh, yes. Somebody in the bathrobe, the jammies, they, they forget that the camera is on. So I think, I think sometimes you got a little too comfortable. And, and <laughs> many of these meetings are recorded. So.
0: <laughs> Peter asked Celia to describe the first day of the shutdown.
2: I was on the night shift and I knew it was coming. And in my heart, I knew we were not coming back. And so I instructed people in my office to take everything home, clear your desk of all your personal items. It uh, was undetermined how uh, the library would sterilize, sometimes there's chemical or clean. I didn't want anybody's wires to get damaged, your cell phone chargers. And, you know, I tried to give people instructions to take anything that you think you're going to need over the next months, and people couldn't wrap their head around that, but take it home. Whatever you have that you might need to work from home, take it home now, because you don't know if you're going to be able to come back.
0: You're really ahead of the game as far as knowing that we would not be there the for an extended period of PR,
2: time. The reality is not coming back. I emptied my office of all my CPR equipment, everything, every bandage, <laughs> every turn, to everything, because I didn't know what I was going to need at home. Matter.
0: Me again, one last time. Peter asked CIA how long she initially expected the shutdown to last.
2: Um, I was thinking more along the lines of two of And looking at what was happening in China, safely two to three. Never imagining. Um, how tight our restrictions would be and how well we did with holding the numbers down, but now seeing heartbroken, seeing what's going on around the country and knowing it's coming back. So preparing for the future here on Long Island. We already see people coming from the highly infected areas gravitating for New York because our numbers are low, and they're bringing it with them. So we know our numbers are gonna go right so my roll of the dice is will New York City ever get a stage three? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to open indoor dining and things like that. I think in another week or two, our numbers are going to start falling. And so I'm trying to guide people to, we got a little complacent and we can find things that we couldn't find in the supermarket, but it's time to look around and start stocking back up on the everyday items that you use in your life, I see. I find that toilet paper while it's on the shelf. <laughs> and, and start stockpiling again because our numbers are going to go up. There's no question.
0: What kind of preparations are they making for the future in the, at the Red Cross?
2: Right now, we're, we're looking at not deploying staff as much as we used to. Uh, whenever there's a hurricane in another state, Uh, New York is famous um, for being number one in sending volunteers, deploying them throughout the country, and we have the most active um, group of volunteers in the United States of America, and they've kind of taken a time out on putting us all in the air and getting us to emergencies. Uh, We're looking more about dividing the United States into regions, and keeping us in the Northeast region and driving so that we're not on a plane, or we're not on a bus, or we're not, you know, in a situation where we can't maintain social distancing. So, it's reimagining how they're going to respond and deploy and probably gravitate towards regional, um, but also in past hurricanes, RV um, events in, you know, Texas, Florida, I'm a feeding manager for Long Island. I can feed for ho- from home for Texas, and I have. And we've done, you know, client casework from home for Puerto Rico, for all different states. So we're gravitating towards utilizing volunteers from home, from their laptops, issuing a Red Cross phone, and doing client casework on the computer. And we're able now to distribute funds by PayPal. Or directly into your bank account if we're not physically in the state that you're in uh, We can use Western Union so it's, you know you have to think outside of the box sometimes when you have situations like this
0: what would you say to, Anyone that is looking to help out or contribute, for example, if they wanted to join up with you and the Red Cross and provide relief.
2: Anyone can join the American Red Cross by going to redcross.org and submitting an application and they do a background check. And then they call you and interview you and see what type of uh, volunteer work you'd like to do. For residents in the community, Adelante, Pronto are looking for people, Long Island uh, Harvest, is looking for people. They just did the hugest food distribution at the Nassau Coliseum this past Friday. And I was so proud um, viewing it on TV and seeing so many of our community partners, strong youth, people from Adelante, Pronto, uh, Suffolk Police Department, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, all different groups there at stations to distribute goods throughout the parking So it's just great to see that our community members are helping out, not just in our own community, but helping people in other communities as well.
0: Have you uh, experienced a rise or fall in volunteers coming towards you and your organization?
2: It's actually been a rise. And our current volunteers that maybe don't volunteer a lot, the number of hours being donated has skyrocketed. Um, People particularly who may not feel comfortable leaving their home but who can do casework from home on their computer, um, do mental health services online, you know, so we actually have a lot more people participating. We've had a lot of initiatives, we've partnered with Salvation Army to donate boxes of food to seniors who can't get out and so people that ordinarily maybe would not volunteer every week they really you know they feel that need to get out there and help the seniors and they have been delivering boxes of food throughout the pandemic we have teams at all the hospitals making sure that when the frontline workers leave the hospital they get a bag of food um, that's already prepared that they don't have to even heat up and just some personal items that are going to just calm them a little bit so some little luxuries in the bag as well um, donations from different corporations throughout Long Island, you know, face cream, sunscreen, massagers, you know, gift cards. Uh, so that's very rewarding when you're trying to help out all of these people who have put their lives on hold and are risking their lives in hospitals throughout New York State uh, to take care of us. So we so saw a definite rise.
0: I think Peter had another great question that actually I, I was honestly um, itching to ask myself. So I might I might hijack this one from you, Peter. Oh, uh, <laughs> Have you had any um, dishes that you've been enjoying that you've been preparing with any frequency? What have you been enjoying food-wise?
2: I will tell you as the feeding manager for the Red Cross, I'm selected because I know how to order takeout. And <laughs> cooking every day has been a new thing for me. Um, I've taken some of the recipes that, uh, some of the chefs that do programming for Brentwood Library have been um, distributing and some of the programs, eating healthier, um, trying to stay away from packaged stuff, but hitting the, the farm and getting some fresh produce and trying some new things with the herbs and vegetables and growing.
0: Yeah, you pick up any good finds at the Thera Farms lately?
2: Oh, it is eggplant season, zucchini. Um, tomatoes aren't really ready yet. I went strawberry picking, and that was wonderful. There's nothing like a strawberry. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> strawberries. You can't get any fresher than that. And they have a little, kind of like a little food truck now, and they make fresh donuts and lemonade and salads. Um, they have all different kinds of lettuce and kale and escarole. And they actually prepackage fresh salads every morning, um, so that you can stop by and pick it up to go, or they have little picnic tables. And I've seen, uh, it's been so funny, I've seen a lot of the Brentwood High School staff members that go there for lunch, and they separate out at picnic tables and they enjoy lunch together, while social distancing on the farm.
0: Wow. Regrettably, this is where our conversation with Celia concludes. I would like to thank both of our guests for virtually sitting down with us. It's both inspiring and heartening to see how our two guests have pressed on with their work in spite of the quarantine. Even more so, by using virtual conferencing, they were able to forge new relationships online that will hopefully persist even after the end of the shutdown. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to join us again soon for more quarantine conversations. The music for today's episode was brought to you by Dr. Turtle. You can find the tracks Clusticus the Mistaken and You're Right, But I'm Me, for free at freemusicarchive.org.